0: Welcome to Elements of Styles, the business podcast that trades in scarce thinking for community, conversation, and ideas in abundance. Each week, I, Mark Styles, sit with professionals and entrepreneurs, both local and global, and learn how they each add value to their communities, their partners, and their teams. Please enjoy.
1: Welcome back to Elements of Styles. Today, we'll be sharing a conversation Mark had alongside past guest David Tortolot on a local radio show, McNamara on Money. Please enjoy.
2: Good morning. You're listening to McNamara on Money. I'm Alyssa McNamara-Reed. Haven't been here in a while, so welcome back to me. Had a little uh, couple of vacations and stuff like that. So oh, I'm sorry, to be what's, back. what's your name again? I know, Where I was are you? wondering if Tim would recognize me. Oh. No, thanks, I'm good. I think you've been here I'd, before. Uh, <laughs> <So> all <laughs> right, we'll up. let you do the show I had today. a little sabbatical, okay. so but here <laughs> I am, I'm back. Um, and I've got two guests this morning. Mark Styles of Styles Law in Marshfield. Good morning. Good morning. Uh,
1: Very grateful to be here. Yeah, thank, thank you.
2: you. And David Tortle. Lot with Homestead Mortgages in Hanover. Good yes, morning, good morning, Alyssa.
1: Good to see you. Good you, to see you, Mark. Yeah, you as well, Dave. Both
2: uh, seasoned guests and radio hosts themselves. Uh, or you, anyway. You 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 just are on all the shows on ETD. I hear you all over the place, David. But Sporadically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not a the you You're, so you're like Mark, though. There's you're so no
1: way. And you guys
2: are
0: the utility, so player. Yeah. ATD's utility player. ETD's utility player. Yeah, we got to get you a show, though, because your co- your information is. Needs to be out there more.
1: Yeah, I yeah. mean, there's a lot to chew on. Well, and we, there are time slots available too. <laughs> oh, there we, got got we go. go man, and go. the price is—is yeah. <laughs> is it on sale? And we'll discount oh, the price. I, I don't know the yeah. price. I'm
2: just letting you know we got slots open. So <laughs> all right, there you on. go, David. Marketing dollars,
0: right It'll be calling you next week. <laughs>
2: yeah <laughs> um, All right. Well, I didn't have a fancy title for our show this morning, but my outline has just sort of a plethora of different things, right? Real estate markets, stock markets, inflation, interest rates, mortgages reverse mortgages, accessing your money, all that stuff. So, um, I was kind of, I I think because I haven't been here in a while, I was kind of all over the place. And I want to talk about all these different things because there's a lot happening right now. Um, and not all of it, uh, you know, great news, but we're going to be as optimistic as we can and, um, see the silver line there. I think there's a lot of silver linings out there right now. So, um, the uh, well, do you guys want to do quick introduction? I mean, you guys have been on the radio so many times. Maybe that's not even necessary. But for our new listeners, so Mark of Styles, it's Styles, law. go ahead. Sorry, this. Well, right, well right, hopefully,
0: right. we have uh, similar similar listenership. Uh, yeah. I'm on the Feel Good Friday show on Friday mornings, every morning at nine ten a.m. Actually, nine ten with fifty nine seconds. It was. Oh, sorry. It was slated for nine eleven. I was like, no, I don't want to do it at nine eleven.
2: Oh yeah,
0: no. Why would you want that? Please? Yeah. Uh, so. We, we shifted the uh, these whole station curriculum for the rest of the day by doing that just because for they are on it, right? Yeah. Step by step, minute yeah. by minute, which is great. Yeah. But I am the principal owner of Styles Law, which is just down the street here on yep. State Road 139, where we help folks um, with life-changing events.
2: Oh, I love describing it that way. Yeah, uh,
0: yeah. we like helping of... people. Yeah, yeah. And we don't litigate. So Okay, yep. If you need a litigator, we know really good ones, but internally we do not litigate.
2: Okay. But all other legal issues?
0: Proactive legal issues. So what we what we focus on is, is proactive litigation, similar to your primary care physician. So okay. what we do is we sit with folks and counsel them and guide them, hopes, dreams, aspirations, and make certain that they don't need litigation down the road right so everything's buttoned up tied up and and we can avoid the courts and if you do find yourself we do have an outlet for mediation in our practice as well which is it's not anti-litigation but it's common sense reasonableness come to the middle finding yes and not spending all of your money and your energy on litigation expenses which are a lot yeah and you would the think the emotional piece is probably bigger than the
1: financial piece, yeah. too. Oh, that's
2: a thank you, Mark. Um, David Tortelot, ver- sure, homestead mortgages.
1: Yes, I don't have a show yet, according to yes. Ted. Uh, uh, did, <laughs> did you hear that operative word yeah, yet? By
2: 5 p.m. <laughs> Monday, it sounds like you might. And <laughs> will be calling you this week. Yes, and, uh, you know.
1: I do advertise, have been an advertiser <laughs> on ATD for about five years. Yeah. It's a great station, they're a great supporter. Um, You know, McNamara and Money's been a great uh, partner, and inviting me sporadically over the past say, 15. years. I was going to
2: say it's got to be 15 years. Mark and I have done
1: some things together. I've co-hosted with Rob Hackler once, which was kind of funny watching work his magic in there with that board.
2: Oh yeah, Rob's Uh never asked me to co-host though. Let's just throw that out there. He's never. (laughs) Nope. You got to (laughs) get up. Nope. Never been on with Rob. (laughs) You got to get up at like 3:30 a.m. to do that. Oh, all right. Forget about that. Actually, I'm up at 4:45 anyway. That's not that. There you go. You're the guest host. You
1: don't have to come in as early. Yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. But I'm right. a one product guy. I do reverse <laughs> mortgages only. Yep. And have been since 2015. Okay. I did do forward mortgages way, way back in 02 and 03, but did my first reverse, I think, in 04, And then from there, the rest is history. Yeah.
2: Too. Well, you found what you love and what yeah. you're good at. So there's nothing Great wrong niche. with that. Yeah. Um, all right. We have just, you know, a, a ton of things to get into, but I kind of wanted to start with. Um, markets and economic environment, inflation, stuff like that, because, you know, I guess that's all over the news right now, but I don't know. I have a little bit of a different take on it, I think. Um, So as of uh, Friday, as of yesterday, the markets were down about The the U.S. stock market was down about 19% from its high. It's hovered around that 20% down range. Um, I guess this is for several weeks now. And so we're hovering, you know, we hit bear market, which is, you know, 20% down from its high, but it's sort of been hovering there for a little while. Um, International markets as well. Down about twenty percent from the high, and the high was about early January. So the year-to-date numbers, like a lot of performance, will be reported year-to-date, and it will be very similar to that. Um, but I pulled some information. I pulled some historical information regarding um, the S and P and the international markets, and uh, this is called perspective, right? So, so year-to-date, the S and P five hundred measure of the U.S. stock market is down through yesterday eighteen point three percent. And that's scary, right? And it's all over the news and we're in bear market, et cetera, et cetera. And, and I, I shouldn't diminish the, the uncomfortable nature of that. But guess what the three-year rolling average return is for the S&P 500, through yesterday. Three year. Three years.
0: And counting the first half of this year.
2: Correct. Through yesterday.
0: Counting so, that negative 18 percent. Counting the negative 18%. One.
1: Yeah. I'll say 7.8%. Okay. Mark?
0: Is it double digits?
2: I'm not going to tell you. Is you it, have it 10 to make or a 11?
0: Because it's been a wild it's ride. It's 10 right?
2: and a half percent. Yeah. So the very long-term average return, if you go back like 50, 60, 70, 80 years, mm. the very long-term return of the S&P is about 10 or 11%. And so even though we're in this bear market and everything's really scary and everyone has lost money, I'm putting that in quotes, right? It's a temporary downturn. It's not a loss unless you make it a yeah. loss, right? Mm-hmm. But even though we're in this scary situation for people, the three-year rolling return is still equaling about it's the, the S and P's very long-term average. So if you were sitting down with your financial professional and they didn't show you the year-to-date return or even the rolling 12-month, that's a negative one. But if they said, "Here you go, S and P's up 10 and percent year-to-date. You're up, you know, whatever. I don't, it depends on your portfolio. Five, six, seven, eight, nine percent. it Depends on how you're invested. You wouldn't be nervous." right? You would be like, oh, that's pretty good. So international stocks over that same period of time, and most people with diversified portfolios would have international stocks in their portfolio. Those are not exciting over three years. Those are kind of about flat. Mm-hmm. Um, so any, so a diversified portfolio would have a little bit of a drag base from you know, from international stocks in that period of time. But the S&P up 10 and percent over three years through yesterday. Yeah, that's great. How about five and 10 year returns? even better even better
1: i'll say 15.5
2: 10 the 10 year return of the s&p 500 through yesterday is 13.26% that's really good yeah
0: see this is why i say your show is so very important i (laughs) really seriously because this is so important because anxiety as it it is at an all-time high right now yeah people are looking at their statements they're freaking out they're watching the news this is so important to look long-term at this stuff
2: perspective is super super important and again international stocks have lagged a little but they're positive three three to six percent per year in that period of time like not super exciting but not negative so the 10-year return of the S&P is is 13 and a quarter percent through yesterday even though we're in a bear market because what happened was the last like basically three and almost five year well the three-year return of the S&P through December so before this down market was like 23% per year over three years, which is not sustainable long-term. And I kept trying to hammer that home to people. This is awesome, but it's not sustainable, And people
0: don't get anxious about that. This is too much. I'm making too much money here.
2: Right, not a whole lot of people (laughs) were like, this is too good. I'm going to go to cash now, right? Uh, Maybe, you know, a few people recognize that, but um, not that you would want to go to cash anyway, that would be a dramatic move. Certainly not now. No, certainly not now. But it, I just think it's so interesting because you know the, the 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 other media outlets and you know things like that and your daily news right will focus on. Um, The daily stuff or the shorter term stuff, but it's really the longer term performance that matters because, you know, a good and responsible investor would be in it for the long term anyway. And if you're sitting down and your financial advisor says, you know, the 10, your 10 year return is six or eight or 10% per year, whatever it is for whatever portfolio you're in, you'd be like, oh, that's great. Yeah. You know, no worries. See you later. Right. But it's, everyone's focusing on the short term. so. Isn't that interesting, you guys? Which yes. is scary. Isn't, Isn't that? <laughs> it's yeah, cer- it's yeah. certainly
0: interesting, but it's it's a reality, yeah. right? And and the percentage of people that don't have a professional guiding them like yourself, they're doing it themselves. Yeah. They're getting their statements, they're opening it up, and the world is crashing around them. Yeah, yeah. That's a scary place. And then they turn on the news and they see, you know, international things happening and the anxiety is, is going through the roof. Yeah. And it's important to have professional Guidance.
2: Yeah, yeah, and the you know the most common thing I hear right now is, especially for people that I'm meeting that are you know potential new clients or people that are just asking for some guidance, right? I've lost this much money. Yeah. I've lost twenty thousand. I've lost a hundred thousand. Yeah. I've lost two hundred thousand, and I'm like, stop right there. Yeah. You haven't lost it. It's a temporary downturn. Right. It is a loss if you get more conservative or sell and go to cash or you know sell and I want to buy this gold ETF or whatever it is. But um, but you know put, again that's that's perspective, right? You know it's it's not a loss. It's a downturn. Markets don't just go straight up forever. That's never happened. Right. They they kind of went straight up for the last decade, yeah. kind of. Yeah. But for the la- for the majority of the last decade, and people were just sort of used to that. But that's not the norm. So.
0: And it wasn't that long ago that you. Had had a taste of this right i mean when covid hit it was like whoa what what do we do don't sell don't sell watch and you didn't sell and look what happened
2: right right right? and it wasn't
0: that long ago where most of these cycles it's like well i was like in high school when that happened last time yeah so you but you saw it clearly in march of 2020 yeah Boom! How fast it can drop, but then so bang! How fast it can go back.
2: And some, sometimes it's fast. That the 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 down market in 2020, the COVID crisis or yeah. whatever market was very short. It was deep, but it was very short, and the right. recovery was very short. Not all markets will recover that quickly. I don't think we're going to recover quite. I don't know. No. You know, I don't know. But it doesn't. It, it doesn't feel like. I don't know. And that was reactionary. It, it, yeah. That immediate thirty percent. Like an extra. Yeah. And it, it was wasn't like an something extern-
1: really that. I mean, right. It really happened. Don't right. get me wrong. But it was right. reactionary yeah. downturn.
2: Yeah. But yeah. it's a
0: taste of what we're gonna now. This is going to be longer and more sustained. Right. right? But yeah. it still tells you to look at that perspective. Right. Yeah. Let's go back to the forties, please, and let's look at that chart. Yeah. You know? And then we right. can. And right. real estate's the same way. You know, people freak out if there's a correction in real estate and it's like, folks, this is a tangible asset. Like this doesn't go to zero.
2: Right, right. You know, right. and, and I kind of have similar conversations with my clients about their traditional assets as well. They, they are thinking like, my investment's gone down so much. Yep. It's what if it goes to zero yep. or I want to protect it from going to zero. But if you think about what really needs to happen, if you own one or two, if you own stock in like one or two companies, yes, that's, that's, a, that's a risk. But if you're in a diversified portfolio of mutual funds and you know index funds and things like that, what needs to happen for the value of your portfolio to literally go to zero? (laughs) It's like, thousands and thousands of companies need to become worth zero, yeah. right? They need to right. go out of business and go bankrupt. And that's...
1: Simultaneously.
2: Simultaneously. And so it's it's um, you know what needs to happen for that to happen. The only thing I can really think of is a global nuclear war. A global nuclear war. Which is like the worst war. thing you can imagine. And, right. and then or an money...
0: invasion and takeover and, and a, right. a, a dictatorship takes everybody's property. But then everybody's in that, yeah. right? So that person's thinking individually like, right. I'm gonna go to zero. Yeah, mm, yeah. If you go to zero, guess what? What you're seeing today is... Nothing like what right. you'll be seeing, right? On that right. Day.
2: If the value of your money goes to zero, and, and you know thousands of companies across the globe go out of business, you don't have anywhere to spend your money anyway. It's a sci-fi it's movie. It's like, yeah, it's and it's it's scary to think <laughs> right? about exactly. And It's like <laughs> it is. It's a sci-fi movie. But it's Just hard. To, it. That's to, awful to think it's, about. But yeah, it's hard yeah. to let people
0: understand that though, because these are equities. So one one or two of these companies could go bankrupt. Sure. Right. Some of these stocks yeah. that you were riding so hard, yeah. could go bankrupt, and that's a reality. But
2: right. But if you're properly diversified, the risk is that's what almost you can right, and that's why you properly diversify. Right. Yeah.
0: What can you control, yeah. right? Yeah. When you're anxious, what can you control? There's things you can't control, but what right. can you control? Diversification. Right.
2: Exactly. Um, all right. Can we? Are we ready to talk about inflation? I waited like a whole. I waited. <laughs> is that what 20, we were just talking 20 about? Minutes. <laughs> um, no, I got. Well, I mean, I listen to a lot of financial news, and uh, you know, it's all inflation. Is that's all. <laughs> what do they call? of the out. financial news and is first inflation. First, it was
0: transitory. Um, then they've been talking about stagflation. Are they at stagflation? Conversation. I haven't heard yet?
2: that conversation very recently. No, no. no. Um, but it's definitely not transitory. We know right. that. That's what we know. Um, we know it's high. Yeah. <laughs> I guess that's what double they're digits, calling it right, right. now. Nine point one percent over the last twelve months. I haven't seen a double digit number yet. I haven't it's heard coming. that yet. Uh, I don't know if it's coming. We're doing a lot to. <laughs> I don't. I don't know. I beg it's to not differ, far Mark. Away. I I beg to differ. Um, I don't know. It'll be interesting to see what it is Dumb, next d-dumb, month. D-dumb. Well, the Fed's doing what they can in terms of raising interest rates. Right. And, and I keep, you know, I, in my conversations with clients, this is kind of an awful thing to say, but the, 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 the bear market or the downturn in the stock market right now, is actually in some ways a good thing. Always. Because, well, we, we needed people to have, well, you know, pr- prices need to correct, right? right. And they, they were running really high for yep. a really long time. And, and that's what a correction, you know, a down market is a correction, right? Correct. Things were running too hot for too long. But also in terms of, controlling inflation mm-hmm. the d- the the down market is helpful in that regard because people are feeling less wealthy now mm-hmm. right we know people have cash in the bank from the federal stimulus right and from their inability to travel and dine out for a couple of years until what i guess a year ago 6 12 months ago so we know people have money and they have equity in their homes right we're going to spend almost another 90 minutes talking about that but they're feeling less wealthy when they mm-hmm. look at their, the value of their investment assets. And so I've actually, ha- without even saying a word about that, I've had people come in and sort of make reference to that. In that what way? It, that that um, <coughs> sort of make reference to like their, that their okay? assets are down in value and they sort of thought twice about spending on this, that, or the other thing because they're not sure if they can afford it. And I guess mainly I'm talking about pre-retirees, not even necessarily necessarily retirees who are living off the money, Mm -hmm. but people that maybe are closer to retirement or needing to access that money they're feeling less wealthy so they're less inclined to spend am the way they I did okay. right like right, 6 to 12 months ago am i okay and so so you know bear markets and you know these downturn a downturn as significant as this is going i think to be helpful in getting inflation under control along with you know supply chain issues working themselves out hopefully and china getting you know opening up again and and the fed controlling interest rate and raising interest rates but because
0: um, people will stop spending
2: yeah because i tighten think the pe- belt. i think people people naturally will tighten the belt on their spending because even though the val- even even if they're not a retiree living off their money people 40 50 60 year olds still working are seeing their net worth yeah maybe not their homes but their net worth in terms of their investment assets shrink by some percentage you know 10 20% whatever it is and so they're feeling less wealthy even though it doesn't affect their pay like their cash flow right well, now they have certain goals it's, it's right? Yeah. right they have yeah. certain goals yeah. i
0: need to be here by then now i've taken a setback
2: right right maybe i, I need to harder, spend, less. spend less i need to save more my 401k is down 100,000, yeah. hundred thousand, whatever it is i might need to add you know save more so it's and maybe they're not even thinking about it step by step like that it's mm-hmm. just kind of like oh i feel like i don't have as much money so right. it's gonna they're gonna tighten the belt naturally so i think it's a good thing in terms of getting inflation under control see that silver lining right but there what
0: happens if everybody stops spending
2: um, well, then we would have negative inflation right. and that wouldn't be a good thing either. Well, we,
0: right. we, we, would we would lower interest no rates. We would Small businesses would get hurt. Yeah. We'd have stagflation and yeah. it could yeah. be messy. So there's, yeah. there's a middle, right? We right. talk about the mediation. There's, there's a happy medium and, right. and it's about the panic, right? How do we slow the panic? How right. do we help people understand, you know, you're all right one and it's about experiences and memories and it's not so focused on the money let's like money's important but yeah let's slow the prioritization on it like let's slow the focus stop looking at your
2: statements yeah I couldn't have better advice for my clients. Right? Stop right. looking at your statements. Don't, Don't look open at your them statement for another six months. Until I call months. you. Until I six call months. you. Until the news I'm says feeling something optimistic. green. Six months from now. All right. We have a couple. What, what do we have? A minute before the break, Tim? Um, two minutes. Three minutes. Oh, your clock is fast in here, Tim. Um, couple Never thing, ever couple,
1: go by that clock. All right. Ever. Oh,
2: all right. It's just a reference. My watch is more accurate than. Okay. <laughs> yes, it is. So time is irrelevant. Couple more things on inflation. Again, you know, stop me if I'm getting too de- too detailed. But I was more, you know, you hear about inflation a lot. I was interested in what exactly what CPI, yeah. which is one measure of inflation. Uh, there's different measures, but but that's the one I think you hear about the most. And I did, did a little digging on uh, on CPI in term And this is all information from the Bureau of Labor Statistics. Um, and uh, this section here is what goods and services does CPI cover? CPI represents all goods and services purchased for consumption by the reference population. Sorry, BLS has uh, classified all expenditure items into more than two hundred categories, etc. But there's eight main groups: food and beverage, housing. But we're going to talk about how it doesn't include real estate in a minute. Um, apparel, transportation, medical care. Which interestingly enough, I think inflation on medical care for the first time in like a very long time is one of the smallest numbers because for a long time that has outpaced like everything else. Um recreation education and communication and other goods and services um and then also like water and sewer auto registration fees vehicle tolls you know things like that two minutes all right um cpi includes taxes such as sales tax and excise tax but not income taxes um and not social security taxes um etc cetera, etc cetera. that we don't need to get into that um This is interesting. Bureau of Labor Statistics data uh, collectors visit in person or on the web or call thousands of retail stores, service establishments, rental units, and doctor's offices all over the U.S. We record the prices Of about 80,000 items each month, representing a scientifically selected sample of the prices paid by consumer goods and services. I was always, I was interested to see like. How they got this. Yeah, are they calling like 100 people and asking how they're spending? I mean, I knew it was more complicated than that, but I never really dug into the But it's interesting, like employment
0: employment is by the the software company right the the payroll company is primarily right. how they get employment right. numbers so right
2: and there's it's, a it's whole nother measure of uh wage increase right. which is different from the CPI one one quick thing before we take a break on inflation again this is from the bureau of labor and statistics Owned housing units themselves are not priced into the CPI housing survey. Like most other nations, economic statistics, et cetera, et cetera, the CPI program views owned housing units as capital or mm-hmm. investments. Um, so it's rents that are included in the CPI. But I want to talk about that a little bit. Sounds so good. the price of real estate in, in terms of owning it is not priced into CPI, which is interesting. And I wonder what the number would be if it was. Right. Um, all right. We're just taking a break. You're listening to Mac on Money. I'm Alyssa McNamara-Reed. I'm joined this morning by Mark Stiles of Stiles Law in Marshfield and David Tortolot, reverse mortgage professional uh, with Homestead Mortgages. We are talking about all sorts of fun economic markets, etc., real estate this morning, and we'll just be right back. Welcome back. You're listening to McNamara on Money. I'm Alyssa McNamara-Reed. Um, we were just so having so much fun chatting off air. Apologies for that. Um, my guests this morning are Mark Stiles with Stiles Law in Marshfield and David Tortolot, Certified Reverse Mortgage Professional. I got it uh, with Homestead Mortgages and um, we're, we're talking about, we're, we're being a little spazzy this morning. We're going to talk about a lot of different things, but I, I, I felt like I had to get that out of my system in terms of the markets and inflation. And I'm going to just go uh, one more little section, one minute on inflation, and then we're going to move on and talk about interest rates. Um, All right. But again, and I touched on this right before the break, uh, the break regarding CPI, right? Measure of inflation, uh, inflation's up 9.1% what they call year over year. So from uh, June 30th, 2021 to June 30th, 2022, uh, inflation rose 9.1%. Cost of goods and services rose 9.1%. But again, I did a little uh, digging and I was interested. I knew that CPI included housing But I didn't, I wanted to dig into the specifics. So uh, really quick again, and this is from bls.gov, which is the Bureau of Labor and Statistics. Owned housing units themselves are not priced into the CPI. Like most other nations, et cetera, et cetera, the CPI program views owned housing units as capital or investment goods distinct from the shelter service they provide and therefore not consumption goods, right? So they're not factoring in the price of owning a piece of real estate. Spending to purchase and improve houses and other housing units is treated as investment and not consumption also. So spending to improve your home also not factored in. Oh,
1: that's interesting.
2: Interest costs such as mortgage interest, property taxes, real estate fees, most maintenance and all improvement costs are part of the cost of the capital good and are also not treated as a consumption item. These non-consumption costs of owned housing are out of the scope of CPI under the cost of living framework. So the co- so the CPI, the measure of CPI includes rents and how isn't that interesting?
0: It's so interesting that <gasps> it almost seems deceptive.
2: Yeah, I actually don't, I don't like it because because right. actually I don't know the statistics, but it seems to me that most Americans own a piece of real estate. Again, I don't I don't actually know those statistics, I but I'm going to guess
0: most, but there's a lot there's a high percentage a, you know, of home yeah, okay. that if you take that out of that
2: Yeah.
0: That formula yeah. You're, you're you're being deceptive <laughs> yeah. because it would be a runaway number, right? Because the appreciation of real estate has been so wild oh. over the last few years, that that number would be significantly higher if we pull them. And these are consumers. I understand the investment piece of it. But when you start doing the ancillary stuff, I think you you really stretch it and you're saying, okay, we want to keep real estate out of this for a reason. you know. But um, I understand the, the theory behind, okay, this is an investment. This is a capital purchase, not necessarily consumer goods and services, similar to maybe you know, portfolio investing in the stock market and what have you, but you're taking out a big chunk of reality when you do that.
2: Google is telling me that about 65% that the, the national home ownership rate two years ago was actually 67%. Wow. So maybe slightly more than half yeah. of adult Americans, or I don't know what their, you know, the, the, the cutoff is, but are, are homeowners. So I, 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 I do understand that it's an investment also, but it does seem a little deceptive mm. to take that out. Having said that, rents, from what I understand, and I didn't do any research mm. on this, have also yes, gone way have. up. And I don't know if it's kept pace with cost of home purchases or not? Maybe not quite. I don't know. Probably
0: not. My guess is it wouldn't be because it's harder to raise rents, but they are also going up to the point where it's challenging for affordability.
2: Yeah. Yeah. You know,
0: I mean, you know, home ownership is a challenge for affordability, finding the proper home, finding it for the right value, being able to afford it. Mm -hmm. Then the next tier is rental. And if you have a challenging time trying to uh, afford renting, you're, having a hard time putting a roof over your head, yeah. there's Rock, a problem. Mark, what would you yeah, say,
1: yeah. Do you, have you seen like an average rental price? You know, now? it's, it's all, it's, it's so, a
0: month. Li- well, it's location, right? right? It's location, location, location. So somebody comes back to the town, maybe they're priced out of purchasing in that town, but they want to live in that town, the school systems, yeah. you know, chances are those rental uh, costs are going to be a lot higher mm-hmm. than if you move to more of a depreciated, socioeconomically depressed town, the, the cost, but it's, you know, you're not getting... The amenities that you wanted, right. right? So it's it's based on location, it's based on community, and unfortunately, it's based on reality. And um, the reality is, is that you know the cost of uh, putting a roof over your head is getting out of control.
1: See, I can remember the days <laughs> of renting a condo with two of my friends, and the total rental was seven hundred bucks divided by three. Yeah, <laughs> you're, you're aging that's yourself,
2: a, David. <laughs> <an, laughs> yeah, you kind of. <laughs> well, that's David a little is, bit. That's an average yeah, yeah, car yeah. payment
1: probably yeah, today. Yeah.
2: I don't know. I just found a quick article that, you know, rents in 2021 rose by about 11%. But it seems to me that real estate, price of real estate has risen faster than that, more substantially than that. And now with, let's talk about interest rates now, but uh, couple that with the cost of uh, financing your home. Mm -hmm. That seems, you're right. It seems, it's interesting that cost of home ownership isn't factored into CPI.
1: Well, think about this just Although, on that point. Yeah. So just in my world, yeah. people 62 and older nationwide, homes owned by them, there's $10.6 trillion of idle equity right now in those homes. That's okay. fascinating. Just okay. 62 and older.
2: Just 62 and older.
1: Nationwide, unused equity, $10.6 yeah. trillion. Sound the alarms. That's an asset class that needs to be considered. Yeah, sound the alarms
0: because that is so very important, especially when people are panicking with the with the stock market, like we were talking about earlier. Yeah,
2: you know, don't sell
0: the stocks. Yeah, use your equity.
2: How, can we talk about interest rates, and then I do want to talk about equity in the homes because I was thinking about like how the last several years has really been a refi boom, yeah. right? And and I was trying to figure out like, you know, how many people cash out refied and we can you know hear from you, David, in terms of taking equity out in the form of a reverse mortgage and how that if that's gained in popularity and stuff like that. But yeah, with real estate prices up and assets down, right? Equity in the home is now a greater percentage of someone's net worth, right? Mm-hmm. For many people, anyway. But um, but can, can we can we talk about Interest rates a little bit, and I do want to hear from you, David, regarding how that's changed in the reverse mortgage world. Um, you know, int- inflation's all over the news, right? Interest rates are all over the news. Um, there's, I guess we'll talk about the federal funds rate, right? When you hear about the Fed meeting and the Fed raised rates and all that. So it's a, the federal funds rate is the rate at which banks lend money to each other, and that like sets mortgage rates and interest rates and things like that. So right now the federal funds rate is 1.75 percent, which but a, in a year ago, which doesn't sound all that high, right? That's not, okay. It's really not all that right. high. And it, uh, but a year ago it was 0.25 percent. So it's up a percent and a half in 12 months, which is a, you know, and I sort of looked all throughout history in terms of the 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 rate at which the Fed has uh, raised or lowered interest rates, and it's generally very slow—a quarter of a percent here, quarter of a percent, you know, three months later. Yeah, it's generally very slow, um, but this is a, a, that was a, we've had a sort of a rapid rise in interest rates by the Fed to try to battle inflation. Um, and likely they're going to do it again. But, but still, I guess to put that into perspective, it's only a percent and a half higher than it was a year ago. I don't know. That doesn't sound like a lot to me, but, but then I wanted to do a little bit of math on it. So, cause I'm a total math nerd. Um, but I wanted to do some math on, on the cost of a mortgage, right? In a minute here. Um, but before I get there, one more, I, I, I got a little nerdy regarding historical interest rates as well. So bear with me just for a minute. In the, in the mid nineties, we had a similar situation where the fed rapidly rose interest rates. And I think I, you know, I did a little digging. I don't know if it was related to the Gulf war. This was like the Gulf war at that time. And I, inflation got out of control at some point. I don't know if it was another oil crisis or whatever it was, but, um, (coughs) between so there was like a 13 month period of time between 1994 and april of 1995 where the fed raised interest rates from about three percent to six percent so it's like they doubled interest rates i bought Do my you know? first house
1: in 1994 8.75 8.75 yeah so eighty thousand dollar mortgage so all things are relative <laughs> oh my but gosh yeah, all i'm things 75 are relative. years old
2: just, <laughs> <so>. <laughs> no, I'm just i'm 55 um go ahead But so, interestingly (laughs) enough, so that was a very fast, so three percentage points in 13 months is very fast, and interest rates doubled at the time, right? So rates weren't even as low as as they were now, but interest rates doubled to six. So interestingly enough, again, being the uh, eternal optimist here. Stocks rallied in the aftermath of mm-hmm. that aggressive rate hike from 94 mm-hmm. to 95. The S&P and Dow Jones Industrial Average climbed 36% and 42%, respectively, between the start of 1994 and the end of 1995. So then that was like the start of the tech boom there, and the dot, you know the dot-com yeah. boom and stuff like that. But I, you know, the eternal perspective. Yeah. It's, it's interesting all perspective. about perspective yeah. during yeah.
1: that time frame. We bought our first house in '94 and blocked it. Okay. We sold it. I think we paid 90 for it.
2: Wow. And we
1: sold it three years later for, I believe it was 127. Okay. Mm. It okay. felt really in good In three about years. It was really that's good.
2: pretty good in three years. Yeah. yeah.
1: And then we bought a house in Bridgewater for 180. Yeah. Like a four-year-old house in a cul-de-sac. And I sold that without a realtor three years later for 300. Wow. And then we bought a house in Situate in 2001. Yeah. So I rode that. way. I experienced that high interest rate. Yeah. But then I... Rose that wave of oh wow, geez, every time you buy a house and sell it you make a profit.
2: Right. It's not always yeah. that simple, right? I, I, was in <laughs> I had that... the exact opposite situation in my first yeah. homeownership years. Yeah. So <laughs> it's
1: timing. It's when it's you get on the market. You don't really know because yeah. I mean I'm, yeah. we were twenty five at the time.
2: Yeah.
0: But it's more so, so the rule than the exception that people make money on real estate. Right.
1: Over time. So, so
2: you were just saying in the in the mid nineties your mortgage was like 8.5%. eight eight and a half percent.
1: Eight eight point seven percent. Well, assuming you had
2: decent, you know, credit and yeah. stuff like that.
1: We put 10% so, or ten thousand down on so, a nine thousand
2: so dollar house. Traditional mortgages now are like what five and a half percent. I think so. I yeah. mean, rates aren't really that high. It,
0: well, that's that's a great conversation. <laughs> but when you went back to ninety four, ninety five, where <laughs> they had that quick run up in interest rates, we doubled over the period of under three months. So it's your home, sh- you mean? No, yep. the interest rates. Oh, okay, yeah. The interest yeah, yeah. rates yeah. doubled. You know, c- the customary interest rates for a forward mortgage, which most people are getting uh, when they're obtaining financing, they're, they're utilizing forward mortgages. Yeah. We'll talk to David about the benefits of, of the reverse mortgage doing uh, purchase mortgages as well, I'm sure. But when people are purchasing, to have that sticker shock go from, okay, we were pre approved for this oh, yeah. amount of money for yeah. this house, and then the rates doubled. Shocking, right? It takes people out of the market. But it's but it's still such a minority of transactions, right? We still have to look at it and say, historically, this is really cheap money. You're gonna allow me to buy that house that I could not possibly afford without your help, and you're only going to charge me this much per month to access that capital. Yeah, I'm gonna do it because Dave Dave tells me my house is going to appreciate, and then I can make a bunch of money when I sell it. <laughs> <laughs> or, 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 or history tells me that rates will start to temper back down, and maybe I can refinance. And, but I got to get in. I got to start. Right. I got to plant yeah. that tree. Yeah,
2: yeah.
0: And I can't let but the news tell me not to.
2: I mean, I was just trying to figure and out to what. I, one point, thing. When I, you jumped I, in the
1: market, you said you had just the opposite, right? You jumped because... in, bought high, and then had to wait for it to appreciate and make up for the, the loss, right? So
2: I bought my first, I had a condo in Boston for a short time, and then I bought my first home. I want to say it was in 06. Oh
0: yeah. How'd you do in Boston though?
2: I did okay in Boston. I only owned it for a couple years and it appreciated by like a little. No, it wasn't. Because I only owned it for a short time.
0: Because that era in Boston was Wild, like from 2001 to 2005, it was a massive, like similar to the last two or three years. So it's probably
2: in Boston. Like maybe I bought in 04 and then I sold in 06 or something like that. It was a short time. I did okay. The timing of
1: selling it was good. 06 because we know what happened right after that. Right. She bought. So I bought in.
2: I bought a small home in Norwell in 06. Yeah. And then I sold it in 2012. Six years later. So six years later, so I sold it, plus we put a bunch of money and improvements in that. So I sold it. I took a loss on that one. Yeah. But then I bought my bigger home in Marshfield at like the bottom of the market. Right, right. So I bought, you know, my... my colonial in Marshfield. So
0: it's all relative, isn't it? Yeah. It's appreciated. perspective. Well, yeah.
2: Yeah. I did pour a lot of money in that house too, but <laughs> that's a whole nother show guys in terms of how much it costs you to own real estate. Right. <laughs> um, so I didn't do a lot of digging in terms of like the very long-term average, you know, interest rate on a 30 year mortgage. I don't know if you know, have any statistics there. on that either of you guys, but it's gotta be like 6%. Probably it's around there. When I be. when I get in
1: the business, they were in the fives and even low sixes. Yeah. Oh, two, oh, three. Yeah. And then they went to low fives.
2: I don't even know.
1: When
0: you know. go historically back to like the forties, I'm guessing that's that's an average, if not yeah. on yeah. the lower Six. side of the average.
2: Yeah. So, I mean, rates now, like a 30-year fix now, I just had some uh, information, like a 30-year fix now is what, five and a half percent for yeah. someone with pretty good credit, right? Yeah. Um, Fifteen-year, four point three. But I don't know. I didn't go beyond that. So but sh- they're, they're sharing
0: not- sharing experiences. I started in around ninety-seven, ninety-eight, where interest rates were still eight, nine, nine and a half. And I remember distinctly. The first person who um, received financing at a closing that I was at—it was an adjustable rate mortgage at five point five—and I mean balloons, confetti. It was—it wow. was a celebration. That was an inch. That was an adjustable rate mortgage. So you imagine the rates were probably still seven-ish yeah. 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 for yeah. the yeah. conventional, but hitting that five point five, people. People need to realize <laughs> that the reality of those 2.5 30-year mortgages, 2.875. That was, that was an anomaly, and if you captured that unicorn, awesome. Yeah, but that's not reality. People
2: have been so, we've been so spoiled by that yeah. for a long low interest yeah. rates for a long time, and I just wonder if like you know now that interest rates are I think back to a more normal level, right? Mm-hmm. It seems high, but I think they're kind of back to a more normal Correct. level. And, and, the, and we sort of had, we had this refi boom almost the last 10 years. Right. Mm-hmm. And I wonder if, I just wonder if that's going to affect inventory and stuff for a long time it to might. come because people are like locked into these low payments, right? They have run that refi and, and why would you move and take a new note at five and a half six 6% when you've got, you know, 2.75 or whatever. Right. and. And so I, I I worry a little bit about that in terms of the real estate market and inventory.
0: Well, it but won't it won't affect CPI apparently. <clears throat>
2: no, apparently not. <laughs> right, right. But um, I think
0: people will sit tight if, if, I would if think the inflation so. causes yeah. enough stress and anxiety. They have that exactly what you said. They're sitting at two point five, two point seven five. Yeah. We're good. Let's let the storm pass and see what happens. Yeah. Um, but you know people are going to need to. Move. People are going to need to transact. It's just going to be. More normal stuff. Right. It's going to be more of a frozen inventory for a while again, similar to, you know, 2009 after people were like, what? Real estate? I'm not touching that. That's true. That's scary. Yeah. That's true.
2: Yeah. It might take several years for this to sort of feel normal. Mm -hmm, Right. And mm -hmm. I guess who knows how much higher they'll go from, I, I would imagine they'll go a little higher from here before they start to come back down again. But it might just take some time for it to feel like a normal interest rate environment. right? But I, I got, again, I got a little bit nerdy, but this is, this is fun, nerdy math stuff. Ready? So I did some calculations in terms of mortgage payment at different interest rates, um, just to sort of illustrate, uh, how things have changed in the last, I guess, six months or so. Mm -hmm. All right. Uh, First of all, what was like a 30 year interest rate for someone with good credit, like six to 12 months ago? Could have been like 3%, right? Yeah. Okay. A $450,000 loan mortgage at 3% for 30 years, principal and interest payment. Correct. Do you want to guess? I'll just give you the numbers. $1,400?
1: One,
2: almost nineteen hundred. One thousand dollars $1,897. So that's 450000 I just, I wanted to go under the jumbo. I was going to do 500, but I wanted to go under the jumbo limit. Um, so $450,000 mortgage at 3% for 30 years, your payment's about 1900 bucks a month. So right where we are now, same $450,000 loan at 5.5% for 30 years, payment goes up to?
1: 2200
2: 2555 Wow, it is a jump. So it's a jump of about 650 bucks yeah. a month.
1: <clears throat> That's real.
2: Let's say if we have another percent and a half hike, which I think is not unreasonable to think of in the next six, 12 months a $450,000 mortgage at 7%, which is a percent and a half higher from that's here. That's reality
1: people. 31.
2: Close. 2994. Yeah. So that's not quite double but, but if interest rates go from 3 to 7% on just $450,000, that's a, that's a difference of more than $1,000 a month in terms of your just your principal and interest payment. Yeah. Now, here's the very fun part. $450,000 at 7% for 30 years is the same payment as what priced home at 3%. Do you guys want to make a guess? So let me, did I explain that right? So you're suggesting
0: that they, they lower
1: their, their, 300.
2: uh, I'm talking about change in affordability. So, so someone, you know, let's say, let's say we have mortgage, a 30 year mortgage rate at 7% six months from now. And someone goes out and says, okay, I can afford a $450,000 mortgage at, seven? at 7% when because the to? payment's 3000 bucks a month. That's but in terms of affordability, yeah. when interest rates are still at 3%, that same person could afford $710,000. Right. Oh, do you know what I mean? Yeah, so yeah, like, yeah. so yeah. the payment is the same, a $450,000 house or mortgage, whatever, at 7% interest rate is the same payment. As seven hundred and ten thousand dollars, so
1: increase their buying power by three hundred thousand. It
2: decreased their buying power. I'm well, interest rates rise. interest rates rising, right, rising decrease their buying right. power. That's a good way to say it. Yeah. By two hundred and sixty thousand dollars, isn't that crazy? That was the create. That's where I started to get really nerdy. And that's not very fun right now. That's because no. we're going the opposite way. But but that's, especially if you're pre-approved crazy. six months ago and you're still looking for a house. But that's what you mean, like people were pre-approved for certain that's really right. payment right, affordability. And that's drastically could be you know has drastically changed and could change a lot more. It
0: could, and and if you look at the perspective of it, that may require the adjustment of home values, right?
2: And I think it will. I think it inevitably will. What are I mean? What are you seeing right now in the real estate market? Like it it seems to me that. So
0: so over the last few years, as you can imagine, I mean, it was a a rocket ship, right? So sellers market. Never in my career and many years looking back has there been such a strong and imbalanced mm-hmm. and unhealthy seller's market to mm-hmm. the point where buyers had no say. Mm-hmm. They were waving, waving everything. everything. Yeah.
2: yeah, they
0: were <clears throat> you know selling children in order to to <laughs> you know go up the line of of you know can I buy this house? Yeah. And it was inequitable.
2: Yeah, is yeah. The, the word Un- I, would I use. think unhealthy it, is also a perfect super word unhealthy for that. when
0: you talk markets irresponsible. It, <clears throat> it was an yeah. unhealthy marketplace. Yeah.
1: <clears throat> now, yeah. Alyssa, on that, were you seeing? I'm just curious, were you seeing any of your clients because of uh, a buyer? You know, a buyer of you say, "Hey, can I tap into my 401k? I need extra um, money to overpay for this house." And, and then obviously um, you advised against that. I don't I was just remember. Curious.
2: I don't remember anything, um, any like really irresponsible requests, certainly people tapping into assets, but like more, more in a responsible way. I didn't see anything I wasn't aware of anything crazy irresponsible and clearly would have tried to talk about, you know, follow
0: up to Dave is, did folks reach out to you and say, what do you think I'm offering on a home? I'm offering more than they are listing it for i'm waiving my appraisal so we're gonna have to tap into savings over Mm -hmm. and above what the mortgage company is willing to to lend what is your professional advice
2: i can think of a few situations so i you know i wouldn't i (coughs) i didn't really get asked about waiving you know like that's you know that's not my area of expertise anyway in terms of the legal aspect of that but i can think of several situations where people were like you know i'm thinking about offering you know sometimes significantly more yeah. than than what they're asking and this is why xyz you know sometimes people are kind of nervous to you know call me and ask me right, that right, and I'm like yeah. stop it i'm not judging you but um but yeah then for me it just comes down to affordability of that like right. let's you know let's crunch some numbers and make sure that you can afford that if there is an increase in your mortgage payment or if you're taking more out of your investments um and you know most of these conversations were happening at a time when the markets were doing just fine. Like I haven't had many of these conversations after January. Um, and, and sometimes it was fine. And we determined, you know, you know, if you're willing to take the risk of maybe overpaying for this piece of property, right. And I don't know where the value will go from here, but I could, you know, in the context of the rest of their financial life, let them know if I think they could afford it or not. But then the conversation really becomes, are you overpaying for something? And how do you feel about that? Right. Will it continue to appreciate from here? Certainly not at the same rate, mm-hmm. but, but you know, or will it depreciate from here? And how long do you plan to own this property? And is that a risk you're willing to take? And and yeah. in some good situations questions. they, they were. Um, it's but, good but, to
0: hear that uh, folks reach out to their financial yeah, professionals in yeah. these situations. Sometimes, because, Mark. <laughs> well, not enough, yeah. right? And that's what we've been preaching about yeah. is that not enough, right? So yeah. your real estate professional is great, right? The market will bear out the price, right? Is the appraisal the actual value? No, the value is what a buyer is willing to pay and what a seller is willing to sell. Those two combinations coming together is the value. But can I afford this? does this make sense? Reaching out and understanding the budgeting things, things that we can control, right? Reaching out to that financial professional and let's let's project out 10 years, let's move those spreadsheet numbers around, see where we're at. Assuming we're still gonna continue to make the same amount of money, certain assumptions are made, certain variables are placed in, but let's really look at this and analyze it because we think this house is worth it. We think it's listed low to, to gain excitement in an auction type atmosphere, but we want to buy this house because this yeah. is where we want to have memories and experiences. Yeah. We're not concerned so much about over quote paying for yeah. this property, but we want to talk to our financial professional because yeah. we can't do this ourselves.
2: Where know? I where I would get nervous is if someone wanted to over uh, bid or overpay for a house, but they were they were uh, highly leveraged, right? right? Like if they needed a sizable mortgage relative to what they wanted to pay and the bank wouldn't lend them all the money, that's where I would start to get nervous. Like, okay, the the bank is telling you that they don't think this property is worth what you want to pay for it. And so you have to take more out of your investments so that, you know, you because they're not going to loan you anymore. That's where I would start to get nervous when someone was highly leveraged, because then I worry about, a dip in a real estate market and what if you want to move, have to move, then that's not a great situation and that's like red flag for me. But I can think of several situations where someone had either a sizable down payment Uh or was a cash buyer or had, you know, plentiful assets in their portfolio to make up the difference. Uh You know, those conversations are a little bit easier and I get what you're saying about I want to make memories here. I'm going to, you know, plan to be here a long time and all that and the emotional components of that. I totally get that. But that's an easier conversation than someone who's like, I'm ninety percent leveraged, and yeah. the bank won't give me all the money, but I still want this property, and I'm like, all right, slow down. And right. I did have one person actually, you know we talked talked it out and, and she actually went through with it, but that was several years ago, and you know, hopefully in time, you know that there will be, be equity and we won't have to worry about it, but right. but yeah, a lot of people you know, and I actually had a lot of conversations in the last several years with people wanting to buy a second homes, like right. really, really popular uh, in the last several years with interest rates being low and, you know, second home affordability being like at its peak, right. And, and pre-retirees and retirees wanting, you know, just recognizing that they could afford that and looking at rents and being like, well, I can just buy one for not much more. Right. Right. So a lot of conversations about affordability of second homes in the last, in the last several years. Um, but, yeah, some, they don't always reach out to me. And sometimes I'm like, wait, what did you pay for that? Wait, wow. what? <laughs> well, we, also, we also
1: know there's a ton of wealth out there, too. So yeah. in the stock market over the
2: past yeah, decade, right. a lot of people
1: have a lot of money. So yeah. The ones that yeah. scored the deal and got their offer accepted, they were probably very wealthy. Yeah, but, yeah, and they yeah. net, netted out a lot of money from the house they're selling as well. So. All right,
2: we're going to take a break. More fun stuff to come after the break. You're listening to McNamara on Money. I'm Alyssa McNamara-Reed, joined this morning by Mark Stiles of Stiles Law. And David Tortolot of Homestead Mortgages, certified reverse mortgage professional we're talking about all sorts of stuff today what are we gonna do after the break guys I don't know talk more about real estate and uh, you know what the, the title of my next section on my outline is big thoughts so stay tuned we've got some really awesome big stuff thoughts. after the break've been <laughs> taking a break we'll be right
0: back hey thanks for joining us today if you enjoyed the show be sure to subscribe on your platform of choice for a new episode each week and share this with everyone and anyone. If you have any questions or comments or have an idea for another guest, feel free to shoot me an email at mstiles at lawcom That's M-S-T-I-L-E-S at styles-law.com. And if you are a real estate professional, be sure to check us out on our private exclusive Facebook page, The Real Estate School at 892 for content and Massachusetts continuing education opportunities. Be well, folks. Today's episode is sponsored by Secure Title. Secure title helps Massachusetts real estate attorneys, real estate agents, loan professionals, buyers, and sellers with all of their title, settlement, and escrow needs. Secure title, S-E-C-U-R-I-T-I-T-L-E.com, where security and title come together. This podcast is being provided for informational purposes only. The podcast is not a comprehensive overview of the subject and is not intended to provide legal or financial advice or an endorsement of any product or business. The views expressed by podcast guests are their own, and their appearance on the podcast does not imply any endorsement of them or any entity they represent. Please seek legal, financial, or tax advice before taking any action on the matters or products discussed herein.